0: Thank you. It's good to be back here in Armona and to uh, see you, to see some familiar faces and some not so familiar faces and new faces that are going to be appearing here very shortly. Amen. Uh, make, that makes for a very exciting kind of thing here in the house of God. Anyway, uh, this is a wonderful holiday. It's one of my favorite holidays. It's the 4th of July, uh, not only because you can see all the fireworks and the patriotic music, but What it really means to be as an American citizen or a naturalized citizen, whether you're natural born or you're a naturalized citizen, uh, it's wonderful to be an American. I like being in America. You know what? I didn't choose to be in America. I was born as a result of my parents. They were here. And they were citizens. And I have really a gift from them to be a free person in the land of the free. And that doesn't mean because I didn't choose it on my own, uh, as someone who maybe came from an oppressed nation or something like that, that I came here uh, to choose that free life that we have as American citizens, doesn't mean that I consider it in some way uh, my choice of appropriating myself to the freedom here in America. doesn't mean it's something less than what it would be. You see, I'm very thankful to be in such a place and I praise God for that and uh, this was just something that God worked out for me and I praise him and I will praise him for the rest of my life and I enjoy such a time such as this as a celebration of July 4th where this country uh, began its journey its very uh, important journey uh, one that stands out from the rest of the world. Uh, Americans are very unique people and we must realize that that freedom not only was determined before each and every generation, but it was also not free. People pay the price. Yeah. But there's an important freedom that we have as people of God. When we receive Christ as Savior, we are free indeed. And that freedom is not to be neglected either. That freedom must be recognized and applied in our life. That's what I bring to you today. The facets of freedom that are found in Jesus Christ. But I'd like to say something uh, that presents a little bit of a problem. Here in America, as Americans, over the years that I have been around, 65 years in case you're wondering, The time that I've been around, what I've seen is some very disturbing kind of things in American society. And it sickens my heart, really, when I find confirmation of these things through polls and research papers and things like that. I'm just going to share a little bit with you. I don't want to be a real downer. We should be more upbeat today, not only because it's a day of worship, but also a day of Uh, that commemorates that wonderful day when they started signing the, uh, what we call the Declaration of the Independence of these here United States, and together, boy, that makes for a very exciting time, so I want you to celebrate and rejoice in this day. However, there are some things that are problematic. What I have found in America today, and this is very disturbing, last year in 2020, Gallup It shows, according to the Gallup poll, that for the first time in 80 years, participation in a church, synagogue, or mosque is down to 47%. Less than half. Then on top of that, we find that when it comes to believing the Bible is the Word of God, you believe the Bible is the Word of God, right? Amen. Amen. Okay, I hope that's hard and true and steadfast. Among Americans, that has been dropping also. They say that three quarters of American people believe the Bible is the Word of God, but then we start to talk about is and possibly and all this kind of situation here. It begins to waver. It drops somewhere between fifty-eight and thirty-four percent. And here's what I find really disturbing. I'm going to get a little bit more depressing as time goes on here. Now, a little bit more depressing is those people that call themselves evangelical, who believe in the preaching of the gospel, right? When it comes to the question, was Jesus God? About a third. See, no, he wasn't. Now that's scary. And when it comes to most Americans, when they're asked the question, was Jesus the Son of God? Most Americans say, he was a good teacher, but he was not the son of God. And even worse, and I won't go too much lower than this, (laughs) but who's affected most by these downward trends? Young people. Particularly from the ages of 14 to 24. This is where we see a lot of increase in crime, by the way, is in that age range. They took some statistics and they found that people born before 1946, about 66% belonged to a church. When you got to the baby boomers who were born between 1946 and 1964, it goes down to about 58% participate in a church. When it gets to Generation X, which are those who were born from 1965 to 1980, it goes down to 50%. When it gets to the Millennials, those who were born from 1981 to 1996, it goes down to 36%. And Generation Z, which would be those born after 1996, Therefore, I'm afraid to see what the statistics will be there because it seems that there is a continual downward trend. When you ask, uh, do you believe in God? Is there some kind of supreme being? We're not talking about Jesus. We're just anything. Whatever you consider to be God. Do you believe in God? Well, we get a arousing 75% of the American people believe in God. Amen. Now, I remember when it was 90%. 2013, it was 75%. And you start asking the question do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? It really plummets downward again. Now, I said all that really to, to say this we're a free people and here in America, we have legal freedom according to the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, so on and so forth. And those are all good things. Those are wonderful, wonderful things. And that's why I enjoy celebrating the 4th of July. And that's why I enjoy being an American. But realize that freedom is something that has to be protected. Something that cannot be neglected because what happens, particularly here in the United States and what we're seeing by some of these statistics, it's going downward. It's producing bad results. Not the freedom, but the way people are mismanaging their freedom. See, we were made free as a free country so that we would do good. This was a tribute to Alexandre Tocqueville. They looked it up and they found out, well, there's nothing in his writing that said it. But he said something, was attributed to have said something that was really very, very wonderful. He said, America is good, It's great, because America is good. America is good because it's great, That's yeah, good too. Hey, America is great because America is good. When it ceases to be good, she shall cease to be great. Now, whoever said that, whether it was Tocqueville or anyone else, those were pretty good words. That makes a lot of sense. You see, because freedom is something that has to be maintained. And what they found, uh, particularly by the religious uh, surveys that were put forth, we saw this downward trend saying, for example, that only about 52% of the American adults say that Jesus was a great teacher, but not God. Stephen Nichols, who was chief academic officer of Legionnaire Ministries, and the surveys that went forth. He says, This is the time for Christians to study Scripture diligently, engage confidently with the people of our culture, and witness fearlessly to the identity and the saving work of Jesus Christ in the gospel. He's correct. That is something we should do. And it appears... Now, more than ever, because it seems that America is waning. And when you hear the news and see what's going on, it seems like lawlessness is increasing. It seems that people are having disdain for things. It seems like a lot of people here, even in America, Americans, have disregard for this great nation, even wanting to destroy the documents that were utilized to really form this nation. What do we need to do? Well, First of all, we need to pray about this. We need to bring ourselves together in prayer before the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy upon us. We have sinned against you and neglected the things that you have entrusted us with. And it's my belief as a preacher of the gospel that if God's people will humble themselves And seek the face of Almighty God and repent of their wicked ways, then God will answer and He will heal our land. See, and that's Bible, by the way. Somebody said that, right? Okay, listen, we need to turn back to the Bible too. We need to realize the Word of God is, in fact, what we believe it to believe, what we believe it is, the inherent, right? inerrant Word of God. It is God communicating to us and telling us what He expects of us. And the question is whether or not we are going to accept what He says, to believe it, to practice it, and to pass it on to a new generation. You know, in the uh, documents that we have for the United States, it says in order to form a more perfect union to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, our posterity refers to other generations so we as Americans need to pass something on to a new generation we as Christians need to do likewise we need to pass on our faith to our new generation it needs to be something that's incredibly important to our lives and to the lives of society here in this earth well you see the bible says that freedom is a good thing in fact jesus said this in john chapter 8 and verse 36 if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed but what do we do with that freedom what are we supposed to do with it? We're free in the Lord Jesus Christ, free to do what? To do what you want to do. Good. There was no amens. Amen. That was a trick question. Okay. No, we're not here to do what we want to do, to pursue all the things that would gratify ourselves. We're here for a real purpose, and particularly those of us who know Christ as Savior, uh, we have no uh, question to ask. What does God want me to do? What did Paul say? The First thing he says, Lord, what will you have me to do? You see, this is what we have to learn. We have to be responsive to God. Lord, what will you have us to do? And let's do it. And let's fulfill it. And let's pass our faith along. You see, because what we have in our facets of freedom in Jesus Christ, one of the first things that we have is we have the freedom of deliverance that is a result of our deliverance. When you received Christ as Savior, did you know you were in bondage to sin? You couldn't help but do it if you were left to yourself. Jesus came to rescue us from that. That's why he says, if you believe in the Son of God, if you have received him, he will make you free of that dominion, he will free you of the consequences of it, and you shall in fact truly be free. The scripture says in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What Jesus came to do was to set us free. And to bring freedom to us in a way that no one else can. You see, there's only one Savior. Even in Israel, this was a problem for a lot of Israelites. When Jesus came yeah, into the world, they began to look at him. Well, they thought, well, he was just the carpenter's son. You know, he's, he's just a, a man growing up, a young boy growing up in our uh, understanding of, of our community, and so on and so forth. Like most Jewish boys. And uh, he learned the trade of carpentry and so on. Uh, But uh, to be uh, that prophet, that one prophet that was supposed to to make everything right, and, and we're supposed to understand him? Well, you know, the Father did clarify that, even to three of the apostles. On the place that we call Mount Transfiguration, what happened? There was a vision they saw. In that vision, there appeared Moses and Elijah, representatives of the old covenant, and there was Jesus representing the new covenant. And what was said from heaven itself? A voice came down from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then what? Hear ye Him. You see, Everything that the Father was doing was now being focused on Jesus Christ. What Moses did had its purpose. What Elijah did, it has its purpose. And that was a glory to itself because there was God working in various times and in various ways to bring the word of God to people. But now when Christ came, we're to hear him and obey Him. He truly is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see what we find here is in Israel before Moses uh, was going to declare anything, what would he say? He would say something like this. Hear, O Israel! And everybody was supposed to stop and just look to him and listen to what he had to say. Not to go on and do whatever they wanted to do but to do what the word of the Lord said to do. They were to be compliant. Are we listening to our Lord and doing what He wants us to do? You see, this is the question. How are you using the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ? When you receive Christ as Savior, you are free, and certainly free indeed. But how are you using that freedom? He uh, paid for the price of deliverance. You know, freedom is not free. You've heard that expression before? And usually among American society, we say, you know, a lot of people lived and died uh, protecting our freedom, and they did. I have some family that did die in certain wars, and it's very sad. But I'm glad for their service, and I'm glad for the service of many others, who tried to keep people who were trying, countries that were trying to oppress us, And to enslave us again, I'm glad for those who are willing to put the risk out there, to risk their lives, to fulfill their duties, to provide for the freedom of this country. But you know what? Freedom was purchased for us, spiritually. And it cost a great price. And what was that price? It was the price of the Son of God giving his life, laying it down, and purchasing eternal life for everyone by His blood. In other words, you cannot buy freedom. You cannot inherit freedom. You cannot obtain it. The number one retailer in Walmart, you can't buy any blood of Christ there. It cannot be applied for you. God has to do that Himself. And Jesus has already applied the blood, and what he has said is Look, if you come to believe in me, repent of your sins, believe in me, you can have not only the forgiveness of sins, but eternal life through my name. You see, the Son wants to make you free. Yes. Jesus laid down his life to call a people for his name's sake. It was a substitutional sacrifice. It was a sacrifice He makes on our behalf. And it's His blood atonement that pays for our sins. And the power to make one free spiritually only comes from Jesus Christ. That is the power of His deliverance. There is also the freedom of the Spirit. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that Spirit And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What is the word saying? It's saying that, yes, what Jesus said, if he'll make you free, you are free indeed. That's absolute. That is certain. The Holy Spirit testifies to that and gives us that liberty. Every child of God will receive the Spirit of God. Every child of God receives that spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit not only resides within our spirit, but he also empowers us for that liberty. He leads us. He guides us. He empowers us. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul said, you know, he's working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, when you receive Christ, you receive a whole new set of desires as well. And it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to choose to live by that or not. It's given to you. Do you want to serve the Lord? If the Spirit of God is indwelling you, there should be Him saying, yes, do. And I'm receptive to that, and I want to do that. But, you know, we have a problem. We, of course, still have our own sin nature, and that's that real tug of war that goes on in there and says, ah, I don't know if I want to do that today. Oh, I don't know if I want to go to church today. It is Sunday and everything. I haven't been there in a while, but I don't know if I really want to go. I've got some other things I've got to do. Are you expressing your liberty in that situation? You see, you have choices to make decisions to make do you ask the lord lord what will you have me to do and i'll do it how compliant are you are you willing to exercise that freedom i tell you what it's good to exercise freedom in the lord it's the best way if you want to be happy for the rest of your life happy is he who serves the lord I want you to know that. There is a happiness, there is a joy, there is a fulfillment, there is an excitement. It's not boring. It's life as it was meant to be for us in light of our own sin nature. You see, we have to learn to practice our freedom. We have to learn not to neglect it. We have to learn to live by it. You see, because another facet of freedom is that freedom... This kind of spiritual freedom found in Jesus Christ releases us from bondage. In Galatians chapter two and verse four, it says this: "And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to the to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage." Now what the Apostle Paul was talking about here was that there were false teachers that were coming into the churches and what they were doing was to spy out this freedom that was found in Jesus Christ, this salvation that God had offered to all humankind. And maybe they could corrupt it, bring in the works of the law, Uh, maybe they could bring in some philosophy of some kind, uh, man's wisdom certainly, Uh, maybe even some other things that they had picked up. To do what? To stop us from living by the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. To be oppressors to us. To hold us down. To quench the spirits. To grieve the spirit. There was an intention to do so. Now there are some men who go by the term of reverend. I'm not going to mention their names. There are people who are very... uh, Prominent people in the world today. You would know them if I said who they were. But there was this one Baptist preacher. He says, hey, I know all those guys. He says, I know all of them. He says, here's the thing. I have talked to each and every one of them. He mentioned five people. And he said, you know, I asked him, when did you receive Christ as Savior? And he said, about all five of them. he says, you know, they'll tell you all kinds of things. They'll say, well, I served in the armed forces or I attended the University of North Carolina or I did this and I did that or I had this helpful, uh, this ministry of being helpful to the people in this community and so on and so forth. But never once he said of these five people that you will hear anything that sounds any way like a testimony of having received Christ as Savior. And yet these are very prominent preachers of our time. There's another very prominent preacher. I'm not going to mention his name either. And his wife, both very attractive people, have a big following, wonderful following, megachurch, television, CDs, DVDs, and all that. I mean, they're, they're really in the business. I saw them in an interview with Larry King many years ago. And they were prominent back then. And he asked the question, what is it to be born again? He asked that of his wife. And uh, she kind of looked at him and just kind of like, you know, kind of like a deer caught in the headlights kind of a look and kind of hemmed and hawed and didn't really quite come with an answer. And I prayed for her said, come on now, you've got to answer this. And uh, it was obvious she didn't know. And so I was hoping her husband, who was sitting right there listening to the whole thing, would come on now, it's time to help your wife out. Clarify these issues, you're on international TV. He said nothing. And they moved on to another question. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone asked me what it is to be saved, what it is to be born again, seems like I'd be able to answer that question. Particularly if I were in the ministry and ordained and all that stuff, multi-million dollar ministry that is something I would be involved in, right? I would know, wouldn't you think? But you see, there are a lot of people who don't know. There are a lot of people who don't understand. There are a lot of people who don't get it. And brethren, we need to make sure we got it. We need to make sure we understand. Because if there's any hope for all the people of America and the rest of the world, it's that we get it. Yeah. And that we contribute to the redemption of this world by the preaching of the gospel. Glory to God. You see, we need to have that outreach. We need to have that concern. Maybe you can't uh, bring the gospel to Zambia or, or some other foreign country, but you can pray for that area to be saved. You can pray for those people to hear the gospel. You'd be surprised of all the ways the gospel goes out. You know, a lot of people wondered why did we get involved in the war in the Middle East? And there was a lot of criticism and uh, the politicians said what they had to say. But you know what? I praise God that there was entry of the gospel during that time. Because people had to engage in hostility, had to start doing some things. Well, there were Christian groups who decided to Equipped the American military, as they had to go there anyway, with little radios. Transistors, we used to call them. I don't know what they call them now, but you know, handheld radios. And they had a channel beaming radio signals into those Middle Eastern countries so that they could hear the gospel in their own language. You see, There may be things that you don't agree with, things that are happening that are beyond your control. But God is still moving upon His people to bring the gospel to a lost and a dying world. And we need to be involved in it. It's something that we have as a freedom. We don't want to be in bondage. We don't want to see other people in bondage either. Man's wisdom, man's philosophy will only lead you into error. It will be insufficient. It will be fruitless. But when you give yourself over to the Lord, isn't it Jesus who said that you might bear much fruit? That's really what He wants of you? Absolutely. And one of those fruits is, of course, converts. People who come to know Christ as Savior. We need to walk in His way. And if you walk in His way and according to His will, you can truly, truly enjoy the purpose and the value of your freedom. You see, because freedom not only is given to you as part of deliverance and given to you as part of uh, being released from bondage, but it is also freedom to stand fast in it. You see, the Scripture says in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Freedom is something that you need to stand for. It needs to be something you will be firm in, to be assured, to be confident, to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We have to have the freedom to be determined to be pursuing a lifelong testimony and walk. To persevere, one of the great testimonies to perseverance, of course, the Apostle Paul. He went through an excruciating time, a horrible time, but he did not give up his faith in God. And he continued to seek after God. Did he feel every stress, every strain? every pound of pain that he suffered. Did he feel it? Did he hurt? He definitely did. But it was enough for him to continue to have faith in God and to worship him. You see, that perseverance, that's why James says, remember the faith or the patience of Job. Remember what he did. Look, you might go through a struggle. You might go through some difficult times. But do you have the strength of perseverance to remain steadfast? Are you willing to go whatever the distance is? Are you willing to make the choice to pursue the will of God? There's a lot of reasons why a lot of people leave churches, for example. And one of them is it gets a little bit too hard to serve the Lord sometimes, they say. Right? Because they don't want to go through the difficult times. They want the fun times. They want the good times. They want the entertainment. But when it comes to struggle, when it comes to really trusting in God, how are we going to get through this? I don't know, but we're going to trust God in this whole situation. They don't want to do that. Brethren, you're denying yourself the freedom that you have in Christ. The freedom to persevere and the power to do so that's what God has given us and we must live by that freedom to enjoy that freedom and you know what if you remember the perseverance of job the patience of job he was blessed when that ordeal was over I'll tell you what you learn to walk with the Lord you learn to do those things pleasing in the Lord's sight you're gonna find there may be some real struggle you might have some real losses It may not always be a pleasure cruise, but there's going to be blessing on the other side. And then you can start counting those blessings. And they'll pile up. And they'll pile up fast. And you're going to say, it is good to serve the Lord. Not only do we have the freedom to stand fast, we also have the freedom, put plain and simply, to serve the living God. You know, before you were saved, you couldn't serve God. Oh, you could have uh, done some religious things, done some nice things, helpful things perhaps, but you didn't have the freedom to serve the living God. You see, because only Jesus Christ can make you free. Only Jesus Christ can empower you to be able to do those things that are pleasing to God. And God is looking for those people. You see, it's God's desire that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And it is God's desire that you learn to serve him and to serve him fully and that he may bless you and bless you in abundance. Not just a little bit, not holding back, but to bless you in abundance. And the question is whether or not you want to live that kind of life. Well, if you're motivated by the love of God, and you should be, because of the Spirit of God comes to indwell you as a result of being saved in the name of Jesus Christ, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Spirit of God. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love Amen. serve one another you see it's not only important to love yourself like a lot of people say you got to love yourself uh, just love yourself, if you love yourself better and do better loving yourself you're going to love everybody else better right? that's what they say listen, start loving God and you're going to love everyone you're going to love your neighbor yes, those who are a little bit difficult to deal with sometimes it's a little bit hard to love them but you'll learn to love them you know what, you can even love your enemies. You see, that's how powerful God's love is. And when you operate through the freedom that you have in Christ, you will learn to love your enemies. There'll be love for God, love for your brethren, love for your neighbors. Yes, even love for your enemies. And there'll be a great love for you to want to do works that will honor and glorify Him. We call it our labor of love. You see, because we're motivated by love. Not only to love every person, especially those of the household of faith. You know, this is why Jesus said in John 13, 34-35, this is how all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. Take the time to love by the power of God. Take the time to love by that freedom you have. Take full advantage of it because you'll see a difference in your life and the life of others as well. And we are able to love in accordance with the Word of God. It says in James 1.25, But whoso looketh into that perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. If you really want a blessed life, if you really want to see what God can do for your life, then love God and fulfill His word in your life. And you're going to see something very, very good. You see, the word was given for our instruction. It was to secure the blessings that we would receive. It would be given it was given to fulfill the calling of the Lord in our lives, and God will demonstrate through us that his will can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You know what it's also important to understand that if we're going to serve the living God and we recognize we have freedom in that we will learn to silence, silence the evil work of others. Silence the mockers of God. It says this in first Peter two, fifteen and sixteen. For so it is the will of God that with well doing ye may be putting to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness but as servants of God. There's one thing that God wants of us as God's people. He wants to have us fulfilling His work of redeeming this world. He wants us to affect other people's lives. And what they need to see are genuine Christian people devoted to the will of God. You see, if we learn to do that, we can convince others, hey, there's something about this Jesus thing. There's something about this Bible. There's something about being a part of church. There's something about living a better life according to God's will. They keep saying those kinds of things, but is it really real? Do they know it's real through your testimony? That's what you want to work at. You see... Yes, you can look at each and every one of us and you can see flaws. Yes, you can look at each and every one of us and say, well, he's not exactly the perfect. No, uh, we're not perfect, but we know the one who is. And we know the one who can lead us to higher ground. And we know the one who can lead you to himself. That sounds funny, but you need God to lead you to himself. You see, what God is doing is impressing upon this world, this lost and dying world, this world that's on the road to hell. And it's going fast. And it appears to be going faster. But he is working to redeem human souls. And he wants a testimony to his name. And that's through us, through these churches, right? Churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we come in together, we agree together and do all things that we understand his church life, it will build up our testimony, not only for ourselves as individuals, but also to your new generations, to other people, to people who need to understand that the Lord is calling him to himself, calling them to himself. You see, God wants each and every one, whether it's him or her out there, God wants to call him or her Come to believe in his son yeah. hear ye him and Jesus is working today right now to seek out the lost and he expects us to be a part of that to live by the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ that we can be a wonderful testimony to the will of God and to say hey there's a freedom you need to get to know and that freedom is found only in Jesus Christ but the question is, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want you to understand, God's seeking after you as well. He's not neglecting you. He's not too busy. There's not too much going on to where he can't reach out to you. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. If you remember the story of what's happening, Jesus is going through the area there and there's just hordes of people now his fame has been all across the land so now they're all coming to him and there's just people everywhere throngs of people and he's taking the time to speak to them to touch them and so on but there was this one man who wanted to to see jesus and he had a real need to see jesus and so he was a man who was also short in stature so he was on the short side But as Jesus was walking along and the big group of people were all in front of him, he wanted to get closer but couldn't. So what he does is he climbs up a sycamore tree. And he yells out to Jesus. And if Jesus really cares about individuals, he cares about you in a personal way, right? Right? So what happens is Zacchaeus is up there. The people are right before Jesus. Jesus is giving high fives or the knuckle bump or whatever he's doing there. And what happens is he looks up. He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I must be at your house. And later he tells them, today salvation has come to your house. You see... Every day and at all times, you are important to God. God cares about you in a personal and individual way. And he's got the time, and he's got the power, and he's got the will to offer you the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. The rest is going to be up to you. What are you going to do with it? Once you got it, what are you going to do with it? Well, of course, there's a lot of things that we talk about. And we talk about us being baptized, being a member of a church, and so on. Those are all good things to do. Those are all things we should do. We should practice those things that God is showing us that we need to walk in those works that He's ordained already that we should walk in. God has direction for your life, He has guidance for your life. He wants you to walk with him, closer with him. You know, I was a young boy once, yeah, a long time ago. I was probably about six, something like that. And when I see these young people being born and raised and so on, so I still remember the days when I was young. And there was an incident one day. We went to the big Fresno Fair. That was my first time at the fair. My dad told me, he said, son, don't walk away from me. Stay with me, stay with me the whole time that we're there. It's going to be a lot of people. And, of course, I was being obedient, as a son would be at that age, right? But then I, as we walked down the midway, we could smell the food. And the hot dogs and the popcorn and the cotton candy. And I saw all those really good-looking candy apples. And all the lights were coming on because it was now turning dark. And I got distracted. I thought, oh, that's all so neat. I love it. I just just, like being here. And I didn't realize it, but I walked away from my dad. And when I realized I was lost, I said, all those beautiful things that I saw, they weren't all that beautiful anymore. I was separated from my dad. And I looked up and looked around, and, and everybody's face was unfamiliar. I, I didn't know anybody there. And I had a frightened feeling at that time. I need to search for my dad. And I looked around, didn't see him. And then I heard a voice calling my name. And I walked to that voice. it was my dad. Did he jump all over me? No, he actually said, son, I was looking for you the whole time. Where were you? And, of course, we gathered together and we rejoiced. had a wonderful time at the fair that night, but I still remember that day. You know, maybe you're here and you know Jesus Christ as Savior, but you've been wandering off, been looking around. It seems more exciting elsewhere, doing other things doing what you want to do. But maybe it's time to listen to the Lord calling you back. Maybe it's time for you to reach out to Him again and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I walked away. Lord, what would you have me to do? And you're going to find that you have a loving Father who's looked at you all your life and wants you to walk in His way. So that you can have fellowship together sweeter than it ever can be understood to be now but you'll know that living the life of the Lord is well worth living Amen. or maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior or want you to understand it's real God is real yeah I know a lot of Americans don't believe God's real anymore yeah I know a lot of Americans don't believe the word of, the Bible is the word of God anymore I understand that. And it appears that a lot of these things are growing. But we're going to try to turn it around. Because God's still in the business of saving souls. God's still in the business of redeeming the human soul, not only giving you the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, but also eternal life to be shared with Him. That's something you cannot find anywhere else. I had one smart mouth say, well, you know what? I'm not going to believe in a guy who's been dead for 2,000 years. And I said, I'm not either. You see, because the gospel said Jesus not only died and was buried, but he rose again on that third day. And he had said, before all this took place, he had said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God's looking to draw you, draw you to him and to his side today. And Maybe if you're here today, you need to receive Christ as Savior. we will be glad to show you from God's word how you can receive Christ today. It's really very simple. And you say, well, I can't believe it's that simple. You just ask God to forgive you of your sins and you believe in Jesus. You know, I, I, I don't know if I can believe all that. I don't know if I can do all that. By yourself, you can't do that. But God is reaching out for you. And God is empowering you uh, to have the way opened up for you so that you can just come to Him and repent of your sins, confess your sins, repent of your sins, and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, well, I've never seen anybody resurrected. How, How can I believe in such things like that? You know, that was a very interesting story. The day that Jesus was resurrected, he was seen by his apostles, but there was one missing. His name was Thomas. And they told Thomas, look, Thomas, he, he's risen again. I mean, he, he, he was here among us, you know. And so I said, oh, you guys, look, 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 look. I'm not going to believe until I can take this finger right here and push it into one of the holes or take this hand right here and shove it into his side there, and says, "Until I do that, I'm not going to believe." <laughs> Thomas sounds like a lot of Baptists, doesn't it? You know, philosophically skeptical, unbelieving, not attending church meetings. But there's always a plan for some type of redemption here. <laughs> a week later, Thomas arrives with the rest of the apostles there and Jesus appears in their midst and he goes directly to him he says Thomas put your finger into my hands thrust me with your hand into my side just go ahead and thrust your hand into my side scripture says apparently Thomas didn't bother touching him he just says my Lord. My God. Amen. And here's what's interesting. I said all that to say this. Jesus says something very interesting. He said to Thomas, be not faithless but believing. And then he says, you believe because you see. Yeah. Yeah. But blessed are they who do not see yes. and believe. And what that means is that God is the one who convinces you yes. of His resurrection. Amen. He has Amen. given His word, and through the Spirit of God, He convicts your heart yes. to repent and to believe. And if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you shall be saved. Amen. Give your heart to the Lord right now. We're going to have this song of invitation. As we have this song of invitation, you're invited to come. I'll be glad to show you how to receive Christ as Savior. Or maybe you've come with someone who has been working with you and helping you try to understand the things that God is saying. Maybe that person would like to uh, show you right now how you can receive Christ as Savior. I don't know what your need is. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life or whether you're even born of the Spirit yet. But hey, we're praying that you will be. We're praying that you'll do all those things that will be pleasing in the sight of God. Take advantage of the freedom that you can have in Jesus Christ. It's good to be a free man. It's good to be a free woman. It's good to be a free child of God. It is good to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. You're invited to come as we sing.